everybody. First time I've ever done the intro of my life. Uh, the epi- episode 157 of the Going the Distance podcast from me and Skyler here at Immaculate Sports. Twitter, Immaculate Sports. Instagram is also Immaculate Sports. YouTube, TikTok, Immaculate Sports. I got that all memorized from when Skyler does it. A lot of stuff to talk about today. Uh, starting off with the openers, of course, and then from there we'll get into the week one recap of the NFL season. A lot of stuff went down today, or these past few days, obviously with the games, and now we get to the Tuesday MRI day is, is what I like to call it, where we see everybody getting MRIs and kind of the severity of a lot of injuries and stuff. And uh, we'll check into the MLB playoff picture as well, as well as some of the uh, top waiver claims in fantasy, uh, as well as take a little look at the Heisman watch and stuff like that as we, we get into week three of college football. I'll get started, though, with the opener. And I want to talk about the A's, even though they've had a terrible season. Starting off September in a good way, winning six of their first ten games with a lot of those games coming against pretty good teams. This is something that we got to look for, for for the A's at this point in the season where it's, you know, season's over, but you have a chance to kind of build and get into the next year where you try to build a winning culture. I think we look at some of the guys on the team right now, and we definitely see some of those dudes as pillars for the, this next generation of A's players with, with Ryan Nota breaking out in his first season, Lawrence Butler having some big games, Rooker being more consistent now over this past month or two than what he was in April, May. Ruiz having a good uh, start to September, Seth Brown, Jordan Diaz, Zach Gailock, of course. Uh, and then on the pitching side as well, Ken Waldachuk and Mason Miller have really been breaking out as far as guys that the A's can rely on in the future uh, to, to get them, you know, five, six innings of good baseball from the starting rotation spot. So, We'll look for that more in these last, you know, 20 games this season or whatever with the, with the A's, but uh, perhaps a, a building block for this next generation of A's baseball. Yeah, how about Texas taking down Alabama on the road by 10, 34-24. Quinn Ewers looked great. Jalen Milrow, I praised him in the past, did not look great against Texas. So maybe they'll rebound, but uh, it's looking like the end for Alabama other than you know, possibly sneaking into an SEC title game, but uh, you got to be undefeated out of conference to win the SEC. It seems like most years. Yeah, and it feels good to you know kind of have that Texas USC both being good again right now. That's that's not something that we've seen in a long time. Texas is now at number four. Bama, I think, is at ten or eleven. But uh, also another thing to point out before we get into where you're headed, I guess the eight Pac-12 teams ranked. Yeah. Only one loss in the entire conference of that game because Stanford had to play USC. So Pac-12, perhaps the best conference in all of college football, perhaps. Let's go ahead and get into what you're at, though, with the week one recap. First off, we'll get started with the injuries because we're going to talk about those eventually. So I'll just I'll just get started with the big ones that we mm-hmm. saw. From the Ravens, J.K. Dobbins, Soren Achilles. Uh, he's out for the season. Marcus Williams, safety, he got signed there big, uh, I think, last year. And he was rolled out quickly with a shoulder injury. His feared to have torn his pectoral muscle. I think that was confirmed. I forget. Uh, but it might be at this point. Ronnie Staley, Tyler Lindenbaum also got injuries. Uh, the Panthers, J.C. Horn got hurt for his hamstring. Not really too sure on the severity of that. 
For the Browns, Jack Conklin was carted off the field with an injury. Tore an ACL, torn an MCL. He'll be out for the season for sure. Caden Stearns, uh, safety for the Denver Broncos, I believe is out for the season now with a leg injury. Aaron Jones had it. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. Uh, Green Bay Packers star running back Aaron Jones pulled his hamstring on a touchdown run, which was kind of crazy. Uh, I don't think it's believed to be too significant, so we should be seeing him back maybe just in these next couple of weeks. Jalen Petrie was out uh, or got hurt in the game against the Ravens for the Texans. Had to be taken to a hospital after suffering a bruised lung. I think he was hit by Lamar Jackson on that play, so that was kind of crazy. Uh, Colts QB, Anthony Richardson, who looked pretty good in his NFL debut, missed the last few snaps because he got hurt in garbage time. Uh, although Shane Steichen did say he was okay. Uh, for the Raiders, Jacoby Myers, big game, but evaluating for a concussion because he got lit up on that big play that kind of helped win the Raiders the game. Uh, so shout out or not the opposite of shout out to Kareem Jackson yeah. because he right. caught that stuff. Yeah, pretty badly. Uh, let's see here. Nicobe Dean got hurt against Patriots with his foot, did not return to the game. For the Steelers, Pat Fryermuth, uh, Cam Hayward has already been rolled out for next week, I think, as mm-hmm. well, too. Uh, and then Deontay Johnson went to the locker room after suffering a hamstring injury and was later rolled out. Uh, I know Antonio Brown said that the Steelers are looking for a wide receiver, so he wants to be in that conversation, but I doubt I would say pretty be. far away from him. Yeah, Seahawks, Buccaneers had some smaller injuries, nothing too crazy. Uh, and then, of course, the Jets with the torn Achilles from Aaron Rodgers. I know we'll talk more about that once we get down to the Jets game. Uh, but we'll go game by game and kind of see what happened. I felt like this is probably the best way to – to go about week one instead of having these all small dull headlines or overreact to this, overreact to that. Just kind of go over each game and kind of see how we're feeling about each one. So we'll start off with the opener. The Lions taking down the Chiefs in Kansas City. Pretty crazy there. I think the biggest thing that we saw from Detroit was the running back split. Jameer Gibbs looked very explosive. Uh, Although Montgomery was the bell cow of their, their team with 21 carries for 74 yards. Uh, Goff looked decent, nothing crazy. They just made big plays when it mattered the most. And for Kansas City, I don't think it's anything too crazy. It's just not having Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey in that first game is really going to play a big part for them. Uh, but it looks like both those dudes should be back for week two. So I'm not overreacting. You, you kind of on the same page with Kansas City, Skyler? Yeah, yeah. I think Detroit's a great team here, but I probably wouldn't put them on the level of Kansas City yet, even though they beat them head to head. I think we mm-hmm. got to see some more here. And I do like the running back room. Most of the skill players on Detroit, they're all young, good. Um, they just, they had the, they had the X's and O's for this one. Yeah. And something to, to point out, too, on, on the broadcast, that Thursday night broadcast, they said at the end of the, the game, it was an asterisk to this Lions team for getting a victory in Kansas City. I'm not going to give them an asterisk. You, you beat a team in the regular season. If it's because of somebody else being hurt, there's no asterisks in there. Like, it's – they beat them fair and square. There's nothing that the Detroit Lions could have done anything to make sure that Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey were on the field for that game. So, I understand maybe if they hurt him themselves, but – Shame on that broadcast crew for for saying that stuff about the Lions team. They got a great week one dub and now mm-hmm. has, heads home to play the Seahawks in front of the sold-out board field, which is going to be a lot of fun for them, of course. 
Moving on to those Sunday games. First one, Atlanta wins against Carolina 24 to 10. The debut for Bryce Young didn't go the greatest. 20 for 38, 146 yards, a touchdown, and two picks. Uh, Carolina did have that, you know, brand new offense that we were talking about last week where Miles Sanders, Aiden Hurst, uh, Jonathan Mingo, LaVishka Chanel, Adam Thielen, all those dudes are now in the fold for them. Uh, Hayden Hurst did have a touchdown, but besides that, nothing crazy there. On the other side of the ball, uh, with Atlanta, though, we got to see the debut of B. John Robinson. He only had 10 carries, but also had six catches for a touchdown in there. Uh, Tyler Aljair was the bell cow back for them. is something to point out as well, too. Uh, 15 carries, 75 yards, and two touchdowns. Ritter didn't do much, but he didn't need to do much. 15 of 18, 115 yards and a touchdown, no picks. Uh, Drake London didn't have a catch in this game. That's something to point out, I guess. But, uh, I mean, Atlanta kind of did the stuff that they were good at last year the same exact way where Ritter wasn't going to have these big games, but they find a way to run the ball a lot and get the job done there. Do you, I don't really think nothing too crazy to point out. We see the Bryce Young rough game to start. Atlanta beats a bad team is, is what I'd say it was. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm not going to overreact for Atlanta either because this style of play isn't going to work every week. I see it with the Jets every year. You know, you mm-hmm. have to have a great quarterback or else you're limited. And again, we're, we'll talk about the Jets later. That's just where my experience is. But I am interested December 17th, Falcons at Panthers. If by then, Carolina is locked and loaded, that'll be a great game to watch. If not, then uh, it's probably not going to happen this year for them. Yeah. Also, there's no DJ Chark in that game for the Panthers either. Whether if that made a huge difference or not, mm-hmm. we don't know, but probably not. So I guess just point that out. Uh, next game, the Bengals get destroyed by the Browns in Cleveland, which was a rain game. So we like to not overreact with those but the Mm. numbers are just crazy for Cincinnati's offense 14 for 31 for 82 yards for the highest paid player in the NFL Joe Burrow uh he looked terrible their offense couldn't really move the ball on the ground Joe Mixon I mean he had decent games 13 carries for 56 yards but 22 of those came on one single carry we know Cincinnati's run game isn't the thing that's going to win them games it's Joe Burrow slinging the ball down the field and when it's rainy it's obviously a lot tougher to do that. Uh, this game played right into Cleveland's hands, though. Uh, 40 carries on the ground for the, Cle- for the Cleveland Browns. They got 200 rushing yards. Nick Chubb had 106 of those. Watson didn't look great, but he just did, did enough to get the dub. Uh, but the Cleveland defense was something that everybody wanted to be talking about. This Jim Schwartz now over there as the D.C. Uh, Miles Garrett had one of the coolest plays that I've seen where he kind of did like a walk-up crossover and then – we got right past the center in a second. Browns defense looks good. Bengals offense looks bad, but they kind of have these slow, slow starts. So I'm not, I'm not super worried for the Bengals. Is this something that you are scared about with them? Or is this just, you know, Cleveland having a good game in the week one? We know that Joe Burrow has been dealing with some stuff. He had a calf at one point, uh, obviously the ACL a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> And it's it just doesn't look great, but I'm I'm not worried yet. I, I think this is more about Cleveland. Cleveland is, uh, and I guess the rest of the division, right? It's always open. You know, it, it doesn't really matter what your window is in the AFC North. If you play tough defense at the end of the season, you're going to win games. 
And uh, I think all four of these teams are are going to realistically be there in the end. Yeah. Moving on, AFC South matchup. We absolutely hate those, but it's the Jags and the Colts. Jags didn't look as good as what we thought they should in the first three quarters of the game, but they won the fourth quarter 14 to nothing and ended up winning the game 31 to 21. Anthony Richardson's debut for the Colts. Uh, quickly going over the Jag side, Trevor Lawrence looked good, 28, 24 for 32, 241, two touchdowns and a pick, and the pick was off of a tipped ball as well, too, so it really wasn't his fault. ETM looked solid, 18 carries, 77 yards, and a touchdown, as well as five catches for 27 yards. Calvin Ridley is probably the biggest thing to point out for this game. He looked as advertised, uh, eight catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. He was explosive. He was exactly what Jacksonville needed in their offense. Uh, defensive side of the ball looked good as well, too. Josh Allen had three sacks. Trayvon Walker, the first pick in last year's draft, had a sack as well, too. Uh, Colts side looked better than expected. Uh, is also something that we should point out. 24 for 37 for Anthony Richardson, 223 yards, one touchdown, one pick, as well as 10 carries for 40 yards, and that touchdown as well, too. Uh, besides that, they could not run the ball. Deion Jackson was their leading carrier besides him with 13 carries for 14 yards. So he didn't do anything. Uh, Richardson hit the one wide receiver that he has on his team and Michael Pittman pretty well, eight catches and 97 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and one of those being a 39 yard touchdown pass that he took on a screen. So that was kind of crazy. I think it was like third and 28 or something like that too. Colts look better than what I expected in general. I Definitely am not going to be, you know, hyping this team up or anything like that. But I, I was thoroughly impressed with how they did against a team that was in the playoffs and won a playoff game last year. Yeah, absolutely. I think both offenses lived up to the hype so far of the offseason and um, kind of played out exactly how I thought it would. Jacksonville winning by 10 here. They could have beat them by 30 probably, but they're just not that kind of team yet. And that's why, I, you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago they have the potential and the the schedule flexibility to win 13 14 games i just don't think it's going to happen and indy great job from uh from anthony richardson uh i just feel like every game from now is going to be another learning experience now we know it's not to get rocked at the end of the game diving um one step at a time you know some great quarterback play in this division yeah, don't let your QB run down 10 with less than a minute to go in the game mm-hmm. and no timeouts. That, that's the thing to point out here. So maybe a rookie mistake by Shane Stuck and, and Anthony Richardson to leave him out there. But I don't know. Kid looks like he's going to be fine. Next game, game that really didn't get a ton of attention, I'd say, was the Bucks and the Vikings. Tampa Bay ended up going into Minnesota, taking them down 20-17. Baker looked good in game one. Uh, as a Buccaneer, 21 for 34, 173 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, the no turnovers is the biggest thing there. Rashad White, his first game as the you know the guy in the backfield with no Lennon from that there anymore, 17 carries for 39 yards, only 2.3 average. Uh, but he usually has more impact in the receiving game, something that is with him. Sunday, he didn't, only two catches for 10 yards, but it was good enough in the end. Uh, Mike Evans, who... Probably he's in his last year as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Six catches, 66 yards, and a touchdown. Mr. Consistency uh, on that side. Moving over to the Vikings, Kirk Cousins threw the ball 44 times, completed 33 of those passes, 344 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. 
Alexander Madison, no Dalvin Cook, so kind of, I guess, the same thing as Rashad Wright, where that's his backfield now. Didn't have the greatest game, only 11 carries, though, for 34 yards. Jefferson does what Jefferson Jefferson does. Nine catches for 150 yards. Uh, most of that did come in the first half, so was shut down pretty much in the second half, but still a big game for Jettas, the number one pick in a lot of fantasy leagues. Jordan Addison had his first career touchdown on a 39-yard pass. Hawkinson had eight catches for 35 yards, which is kind of crazy. Uh, defense is mid. Uh, uh, these two teams don't really strike me as, as anything crazy right now. I know I picked the Vikings to win the division, but it was a 9-8 team. Uh, so I don't really have much to talk about from this game. Yeah, uh, I agree with a lot you said there. You know, we shouldn't take too much into this this game. Week one, there's always a couple weird ones every year, but um, Minnesota's going to start dropping these close games now, uh, unlike last season. So this is going to be the start, in my opinion. Um, but good on Kirk Cousins for still having like 280 yards at halftime or something crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Still, still good numbers. They'll figure a couple of them out. Yeah. Next game, Titans lose in the Superdome against the Saints. 16 to 15 in the game. That was a really defensive battle. Uh, Tannehill was probably the main cause in that defensive battle because he went 16 for 34, 198, no touchdowns, three interceptions. Derrick Henry, decent game, you know, 15 carries, 63 yards, nothing too crazy, but you keep on doing that. You're going to be a guy who has over a thousand yards. DeAndre Hopkins, his highly anticipated Titans debut, seven catches for 60. 65 yards, which kind of what we expected from Hopkins with the Tannehill-led offense, 13 targets, so he did get the ball quite a lot thrown to him. It just didn't work out as much as what you would hope for. The defense for Tennessee was swarming, though. They did have four sacks, Artie Key a sack and a half, and Danico Autry a sack and a half. Both those dudes, former Raiders, and those sacks came against the former Raider, Derek Carr, making his Saints debut, who went 23 for 33, 305 yards, which was kind of surprising with watching the game and how he played. You did not think that would be a 300-yard game. Uh, a touchdown and a pick in there as well, too. Jamal Williams, the main guy in, Saint, in the Saints' backfield right now with no Alvin Kamara these first three games. He did okay. Uh, kind of just set the pace type stuff. For 18 carries, 45 yards, only two and a half yards per carry, but got – his biggest rush at the end of the game to help him win it, which was which was huge there. Receiving Chris Olave had like a quiet eight catches for 112 yards. So it kind of came out of nowhere for him. Uh, Rashid Shahid five catches, 89 yards, and a touchdown. Also a fumble on a kick return to start off the game. So a special teams turnover from Rashid Shahid. Michael Thomas was healthy throughout the entire game, which is kind of shocking. Five catches, 61 yards. Uh, but the three picks for the Saints and their defense was really something that played out for them well. Marcus May, Marshall Lattimore, and the Stanford product. Paulson Adebo got those three picks. I, I'm i not worried about the Saints offense only scoring, you know, 16 points in week one. It's a new offense for Carr. Uh, I think the Saints will be fine. The Titans, again, kind of a team that I had in that middle tier of teams just outside the playoffs. So I'm not overreacting with the Titans either, but I think the Saints will be fine from this. I think they got to move on from Tannehill right now, man. They have two quarterbacks who are good enough who are going to give you a shot to beat New Orleans, and Tannehill's not getting the job done. Um, But, hey, you know, good good call on New Orleans, man. They look – 
at least like a more efficient offense than than they ever were last season. You know, it's uh, it's looking better yeah. for them for sure. Yeah, and that Tennessee defensive group is pretty solid as well too. It's not like yeah. it's just a you know a shitty group or anything like that. They got they got guys so good on car to get that W. They play Monday, the first of two Monday night games in in week two. They play the early one against the Panthers at four fifteen. I want to say uh, moving on Niners and Steelers. Niners perhaps had probably the most impressive showing besides maybe the Lions in week one, winning 30 to seven in Pittsburgh in a game that a lot of people pick Pittsburgh. And I was thinking about it. I ended up sticking with the Niners, but uh, Brock Purdy 19 for 29, 220 yards, two touchdowns, a solid game from a quarterback who is pretty solid. Christian McCaffrey had a big game though. 22 carries, 152 yards on the ground and a touchdown, including a 65-yard touchdown in there. He also had three catches for 17 yards as well, so 169 yards total in this game. Brandon Ayuk was the main guy on offense, uh, receiving side for the Niners, so eight catches, 129 yards and two touchdowns. So shut up, Brandon Ayuk, having a good game there. Defensive side of the ball, three-sack game for Drake Jackson, who was the pick out of USC last year for the Niners, so maybe making that year-two jump. Kind of a, a quiet three-sack game. You're not seeing it, that be talked about too much. For Pittsburgh, Pickett didn't look the greatest, only 232 yards, a touchdown, and two picks. Was going up against you know that highly respected and, and touted defense in the Niners. Running the running game didn't really do much. Najee had a carry for 24 yards, and that was over 50% of the yards in the game, rushing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The receiving, Al Robinson had his first game. He had five catches for 64 yards, so maybe a good sign of things to come for them. Uh, Firemuth had one catch for three yards, but it was a touchdown. So there was that. Uh, TJ Watt, so early deep boy favorite perhaps maybe uh actually jordan whitehead i guess would, would be the, the deep boy favorite after one game Appreciate that. obviously won't keep that that pace but tj watt uh, recovered a fumble had three sacks five qb hits and, and was really a one-man wrecking group that that pittsburgh steelers defense niners though i'd say the most impressive week one performance in my books okay well, I, I do love what Purdy did. He looks like an actual, real game manager now, not just a guy who's thrown out there running screens. Like he's, he's actually trying to make reads now for the first time in his career, and it's working. You know, McCaffrey's not going to run for one fifty-two every week, but uh, this is a good start. I'm more worried about Pittsburgh, one hundred percent. Looks like Kenny Pickett was concussed on the third play of the game, and no one ever asked them about it. So now that's yeah. being investigated, uh, and that just. That sucks. You don't want to hear that because he really struggled in the second half of that game. He didn't look good. And if that's because he was concussed, that's a really bad look for the Steelers. Yeah. Next up, Cardinals commanders. I'm not going to lie. I did not watch a single snap of this game. And I don't know if you did either, but I'm not going to watch some plays. uh, I'm not going to make too many assumptions about anything. I'll just stat line read, I guess. Josh Dobbs. Look like Josh Dobbs is what we could say there. James Conner, decent game, 14 carries, 62 yards on the ground. Even Core didn't do much because Josh Dobbs is their quarterback. The defense, oh, Josh Dobbs also had three fumbles. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the defense had six sacks. 
for Arizona, which I did know was something that uh, their coach was talking about quite a bit in the offseason. Ledbetter, Watkins, Gardak had two sacks. KJ, don't know how to say that name. And Lecky Fotu, how about that? They had some names on this defense. Uh, but six sacks for the Cardinals in their loss. Uh, Sam Howell, his second game, right? I think he started week 17 last I think year. You're right. Yeah. And I just got the the realm uh, or the you know the handle and Washington's QB room, and he had a decent game against a pretty shitty defense. Nineteen for thirty-one, two hundred two, one touchdown, one pick. Brian Robinson, nineteen carries, which kind of surprising because we thought Antonio Gibson was going to get more more burn there. Only three carries, nine yards for Antonio Gibson. Receiving core didn't do much at all for Washington. Nothing really too notable there. Uh, And then on the defensive side, Montez Sweat, a sack and a half uh, for the commanders. I don't have anything to say about this game. Um, How in the world did they let Josh Dobbs cover the spread here, man? I mean, unless Washington is by far the second worst team in the league, because Arizona is not doing anything this year. That's just the truth, man. They don't have good enough players on their roster to win. Uh, so it's going to be a long season for them. But, um, you know, I'll be rooting for, you know, James Conner and such. I'll be rooting for Sam Howell over in Washington. I just think it's going to end poorly for both sides. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the next game, Houston and the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens didn't look the greatest, but they pulled it out at the end, 25-9 victory over the Texans. CJ Stroud, 28 uh, completions, 44 attempts in his NFL debut for 242. No touchdowns, no picks. Uh, rushing game didn't do much of too much of anything for Houston. Uh, receiving core, Nico Collins, six catches, 80 yards. Good game there. Robert Woods, his Texans debut, six catches for 57 yards. Tank Dell, his NFL debut, three catches, 34 yards. Um, four shacks for that Texans defense as well, too. So good game for them on that side. Uh, the Ravens, Lamar Jackson had a very depressing performance, I would say. 17 for 22, 169, no touchdowns and a pick, only 38 rushing yards as well, too. Obviously, we talked about J.K. Dobbins getting hurt and being out for the season now at this point. Uh, and how I was watching the games that I wasn't watching is I had like the touchdown feed up for just ESPN Fantasy Cast. And I saw these Justice Hill, two touchdowns. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's having a game. And he actually just ended up having eight carries for nine yards and those two touchdowns. So maybe just the goal line guy over there in, in Baltimore. Uh, Zay Flowers, big NFL debut for him, though. Nine catches, 78 yards. Odell, his Ravens debut, good to see him back on the field. Only two catches, but 37 yards in those two catches. Uh, defense, big game for, for them over there in uh, Baltimore. Uh, I, again, am not going to really say too much about this game. I think the Ravens just had some a rough week one, but they still got the victory, which is the thing that matters the most. Yeah, I wish I could say they uh, got out of there alive with the W, but that's not exactly how it went down. You know, uh, not having J.K. Dobbins is going to hurt this year. And you can mm-hmm. tell because Lamar Jackson hasn't looked very good in a while now, and that's starting to concern me because Houston's not very good. This game was way too close. Uh, definitely concerned about Lamar Jackson. Well, I'll right into the Raider game. Big one. 
Big W for the Raiders over in Denver, 17 to 16. A late game comeback from Jimmy Garoppolo and crew. His debut with the silver and black, 20 completions and 26 throws, 200 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. I thought he looked decent. He The pick that he had was a play that he probably should have thrown the ball away because it was in the red zone on third down. Would have definitely had three points to tie up the game. And instead, he just threw it to a, I believe it was Amir Abdullah, who was just not ready for the ball at all. Uh, back turned to him as well. Uh, Jacobs running game, 19 carries, 48 yards. Tough defense to run the ball on, but I thought Jacobs did just fine in, in getting the short yardage carries that you need to in order in order to win games. Receiving core, Jacoby Myers had that big game before getting hurt. Nine catches, 81 yards, two touchdowns in his Raiders debut. Devontae, nothing too crazy. Six catches for 66 yards. Uh, I guess the biggest thing to point out here also that I haven't yet is Hunter Renfro had no targets in this game. So hmm. not looking that way at all. It was kind of interesting from Jimmy G, but I guess he was just kind of, kind of going with the guys that he was more familiar with because nobody had more than two catches besides Devontae or Jacoby. Uh, defense side of the ball, Max Crosby was great. That's about it that you will see from the Raiders defense. Uh, for the Denver Broncos, Russell Wilson, high completion percentage, not a lot of yards, 27 for 34, 177. Two touchdowns, no picks, so that is a good side. And Sean Payton's not coaching debut, but Broncos coaching debut. Sponte Williams, 52 yards on the ground. Nothing crazy from Denver on the receiving side either. Uh, defense didn't get a single sack uh, against the Raiders offensive line, which was kind of surprising to me. Uh, I guess Pat Sertain did have three uh, pass deflections, so good game for him there, but no pick, of course. Uh, Graham Jackson was the only one who got the pick, but screw him because he also hurt Jacoby. Uh, big win for the Raiders. Now we go into Buffalo Hopefully works out well because Buffalo just played an OT game and is coming off of a short week. So maybe that has something to do with it. Something I hope it does. Uh, probably going to get killed up there, though, because that's a rough game. Well, congratulations, guys, on the dub. You know, it's kind of a weird situation. It's not really one that you're supposed to win, but you're still expected to beat Denver, even though it's on the road. And uh, I don't mm-hmm. really believe anything that they're trying to push over there in Denver. Uh, and again, I hate to be so negative, but uh, this will end poorly for Sean Payton, Russell Wilson. They're not good. The Raiders are much better, and they're not even – you know this. They're not a, a Super Bowl contending team, and they're much better than Denver. So, uh, again, uh, awkward ending, approaching, probably a Carson Wentz sighting somewhere in the middle, and uh, <laughs> you know, you know how it goes. I'd be happy with them. I would, I would be completely okay if the Broncos crumble and fall to the ground. Next up, though, old rivalry, Packers and Bears, and it went the same way that it's been for the last 20 years. The Packers came out on top 38-20 to 20 in Chicago. A disappointing opener for the Bears. Uh, on the Green Bay side, Jordan Love looked solid. Only 15 completions, but had 245 yards and three touchdowns in those 15 completions. Running game looked decent. A.J. Dillon did not get going. Only 1.5 yards per carry on 13 carries. But Aaron Jones did look good before he got hurt. He had over 125 total yards and two touchdowns and 11 touches before getting hurt. Uh, defense looked good for the Bears, or not the Bears, the Packers. Kind of just did a whole bunch of everything in that game. 
Justin Fields looks better as a thrower, I would say, than what we've seen him for the most part, uh, but didn't really have the running game to the point where it was as big as a factor as we saw in the past. He throwing 216 yards, touchdown and a pick, uh, 59 yards on the ground, but the long was only 10, so we didn't see any of those big explosive plays that we're used to from him. The one touchdown did go to Darnell Mooney. Uh, and his four catches in 53-yard game. DJ Moore, his Bears debut, two catches, 25 yards. Defense wasn't good. Bears didn't look good. Packers, I think there's a chance that we might see a little bit of something from them in the future. Is this mm-hmm. is obviously you know a big game to win in Chicago divisional wise and have a new quarterback and have a lot of stuff there and kind of just the unknown aspect of this team. Definitely something I'm keeping an eye on in the division as they could be, you know, perhaps the team to be besides the Lions in, in that division. Yeah, I think that the Packers, great defense. The Bears, not so great right now. That's why they were spending so much money on their defense. So not a lot of opinions are changing here for me. I just think both teams will be racing to 500 at the end and uh, hope that Detroit and Minnesota aren't too far ahead of them. But like you said, Green Bay has the system in place right now. So if they were to go on a run, I wouldn't be shocked. Jordan Love has looked good in his last couple of starts, last season too. Will be interesting. Next game in that late window that we're going to talk about is going to be the Eagles and the Patriots. The defending or reigning NFC champions went into Foxborough and got the job done 25 to 20, a bit closer than what we expected. I would say uh, starting off on Philly side, Jalen hurts like, okay, 22 for 33, 170 yards and a touchdown as well as 37 yards on the ground as well too. Kenneth Gainwell was surprisingly the main guy in that backfield, 14 carries, 54 yards. Deandre Swift only had one carry in that first game, which is kind of crazy. Uh, A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith both had seven catches. Uh, Devonta Smith had the touchdown. A.J. Brown had 30 more yards, though, uh, at 79 yards in the game. Defense for Philly practically won them the game, though. A couple of sacks in this one, as well as a pick six from uh, Darius Slay early in the game. New England's side of the ball offensively, Mac Jones threw the ball 54 times, completed 35 of them. Uh, and again, he threw three touchdowns, as well as that pick six. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, his debut with the Patriots, seven carries, 29 yards, and a fumble in there. So we'll see how that changes his workload. Maybe not too much because Ramondre Stevenson really didn't do anything on the ground. Only 12 carries for 25 yards with a long of five yards. So that's, you know, two, three yards legit every single time that you're getting the ball. Uh, Receiving Kendrick Bourne. Had a big game, six catches, 64 yards, and two touchdowns. Roger Stevenson, as a pass catcher, had a decent game, six catches, 64 yards. Hunter Henry, solid five catches for 50 yards and a touchdown. DeMario Douglas, four catches for 40 yards. Uh, Juju, his debut with the Patriots, four catches, 33 yards. So they spread around the ball pretty well with their guys. They had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different guys catch at least seven or catch at least three passes. Defense, average defensive game for the Patriots against going against a pretty good, you know, Eagles offense. Six of those points did come against that pick six. So holding the Eagles offense under 20 points, a pretty good game for New England. 
but maybe just a little bit of uh, first game jitters for the Eagles. I think the Eagles are going to be just fine. Uh, I still think they're going to be one of those teams that's, you know, 14, 3, 13, and 4 at season's end. Maybe New England, though, has a bit more of an opening offensively than what we expected. Uh, I don't think it's going to change too much in the playoff picture, though, because it's pretty tough to get in in the AFC. Absolutely. Uh, I agree. I think Philly's going to be just fine, man. Um, you know, 25 points on the road in Foxborough on Brady night. That's that's a trap game, man. That's a trap mm-hmm. game for sure. And they pulled it off. Um, New England, uh, they changed something up. They threw the ball 54 times. That hasn't happened in a while. Yeah. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, two great defensive teams. I'm sure they'll face to get off against each other in another historical matchup in the next 10 years. But it's just not right now. Next game, perhaps the most exciting game of the weekend, the Dolphins and the Chargers, 36-34 to 34 W for Miami in L.A. Uh, road game, maybe not because there's a lot of Miami fans there, but still in L.A., good place to get a victory. Tua threw the ball 45 times, had 28 completions, 466 passing yards, three touchdowns and a pick. He looked really good. Maybe it was the Chargers defense not being too good, but he had a big game. Uh, there's no way I am with this credit. 466 passing yards. Most of the yards total obviously came in the passing game, so we're going to skip the running backs and get right into what Tyree Kill did. His 11 catches, 215 yards, and two touchdowns. A career game for Tyree Kill. Jalen Waddle also had 78 receiving yards. River Craycraft had a touchdown. Big game for the Miami offense, and they got you know timely defensive plays as well too. Kind of just that that last drive for the Chargers. It was I think it was first and ten, and then it was second and twenty, and then it was like second and thirty on a holding call. Then they got a sack, and it was like third and thirty-eight or something like that. And at that point, it was kind of done for the Chargers. So good timely defense for Miami for the Chargers. A very disappointing game that you're not able to come out with this W when your offense played this well. Herbert didn't light up the scoreboard, but had 228 and a touchdown, no picks, which is the main thing there. Austin Eckler was really good as a runner today. Usually we see him have a bit more impact out of the backfield as a pass catcher at 16 carries for 117 yards was a big game for him as well as Joshua Kelly, 16 carries for 91 yards and a touchdown too. Herbert also did have a rushing touchdown. So I guess you could throw that second touchdown up there for him. Keenan Allen, uh, Austin Eckler, Michael Williams are the main guys uh, as pass catchers for Herbert. All had decent games, nothing too crazy. Uh, and then the defense side of the ball, no sacks for mm. the Chargers group. Uh, that has Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. They had no sacks. QB hits only two, both of them by Sebastian, Sebastian Joseph Day. So a rough game for the defense. They got lit up by Tua. Uh, JC Jackson did have a pick, so there is that. Uh, but obviously didn't end up doing much in the end because the game was not won by them. I think this this game tells a bit more uh, or tells quite a bit about both teams, I'd say. I think Miami was a team that I thought was kind of going to stall offensively, and I know they went up against a group that maybe isn't the best group in the league, but they dominated this game offensively. Uh, for the Chargers, though, this is a game I 100% expected them to win. I thought the defense would be a lot better than this. I thought the offense would be a bit more explosive in the passing game. I know Kellen Moore might be changing that up with, with how they use Eckler and Joshua Kelly, especially in this offense in this year with his first year there. But I don't know. This game This game's a big thumbs down for the Chargers, and it's a big thumbs up for the Miami Dolphins. 
Yeah, uh, I agree with pretty much everything you just said, man. I mean, Tua going up against the Chargers defense, it's not the hardest matchup in the world, but this isn't the first time Tua's put up these kind of numbers either. It's uh, it's going to get to that time where we have to start recognizing it, and the Chargers too, so disappointing. I mean, to get sacked three times in a row to end the game is fucking bullshit. So uh, <laughs> that was terrible, man. Yeah, uh, another shocking game that we're going to talk about next is the, the Rams going into Seattle and taking them down 30-13. to 13. Matthew Stafford, his return after the injury that he had last year, 24 for 38, 334 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. It's kind of weird having that many yards with no you know, touchdowns, but that's because there were three touchdowns on the ground in this game, two of them by Tyron Williams and his 52 yards and 15 carries. Cam Akers didn't have a touchdown in one of the weirdest games that I've seen from a running back where he had 22 carries for 29 yards for average of 1.3 yards per carry. Uh, the receiving core was something. No Cooper Cup in this game, obviously no uh, Allen Robinson as well, too. He is now in uh, Pittsburgh. So it was 2-2 Atwell and Puka Nakoa is the main guys for Matthew Stafford, and they had games 2-2 Eight or six catches for 119 yards is the long 44. Puka, 10 catches, 119 yards, 15 targets. That was crazy to see. I haven't really watched much of this game, so I need to kind of see more on what he did specifically. But a big game in the NFL debut for Puka. Uh, other side for the Seahawks. What a disappointing game, man. To, to get beat by these receivers and the guys that they had, like, it should not have been a game that, that the Seattle Seahawks lost, especially in this fashion by 17 points where it wasn't even close. Got blown out 23 nothing in the second half. Gino, 16 for 26, 112 yards and a touchdown. No picks, but just a weird game offensively. It felt like they just didn't have a ton of plays. Uh, I mean, I know Matthew Stafford threw the ball 38 times and they ran the ball 40 times uh, for LA, but it wasn't super efficient running the ball. So I guess third down conversions were a big part of it as well too i'd assume uh kenneth walker 12 carries 64 yards so decent game on the ground for him in a game you know where you're not going to get the ball a ton when you're losing quite a bit dk metcalf three catches 47 yards and a touchdown and one temper tantrum on a killer witherspoon as well too uh defense didn't do anything for seattle pretty disappointing group in, in week one there uh, again, this kind of like Miami and, and the Chargers. I'm giving a big thumbs up for the Rams. I don't really think this has a ton of you know playoff impact. I think it's going to be just outside of it for the Rams. Uh, but for the Seahawks, a big thumbs down in a, in a home game against a divisional team. Week one, you got this young team that a lot of people are excited about, and you come out and you just show like this. Like that's that's a pretty disappointing thing for them. So big thumbs down. Uh, for them as well to charge and a big thumbs up for Miami and, and the Rams. Yeah, I was down on Seattle coming into this year. And uh, honestly, I think this game just proves that the Rams are a better team when Matt Stafford's healthy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's that's too much to ask, especially with all the rookies and injured guys in Seattle. But I'm sure they'll they'll pull something together at the end here. They have a, a great, great running back room. Geno Smith, uh, I'm sure we'll come back down to earth, but... Um, Back up know, to earth, maybe. <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, maybe it's all those rookie corners they keep drafting. <laughs> That's what it yeah. is. Yeah, 
that uh, was an interesting game up north for sure. Uh, this game, this game is also super, super. Uh, I don't know about interesting, but uh, shocking, I guess, to this extent. The Sunday night football game. Dallas goes into the New York Giants home uh, and the Jets home too. Uh, so shout out to them. And the Cowboys just absolutely destroy them. 40 nothing, An even game there. Uh, Tech Prescott, if you told me a QB had this game, I would not have thought that they won by 40 because Dak Prescott had 13 for 24, 143 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. They didn't really have to do much at all in this game. They still won by 40. Uh, Dallas rushing attack was good. You know, 122 yards on the ground, 14 carries for Tony Pollard. His first game is like the guy in Dallas with no Zeke there anymore. 70 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Rico Dowdle. Six carries for 24 yards. He's probably the, the guy who would be the backup with Deuce Vaughn not really being super efficient in his first game as an NFL player. Dallas receiving 77 yards for CD, but as I said, slow game for Dak, so there really wasn't much to talk about in the receiving side. But an offensive touchdown, a special teams touchdown, and a defensive touchdown was the things that got it done for the Cowboys. So they won in all three passes of this game. Seven sacks, 12 QB hits, Picks for Deron Bland and Stephon Gilmore. Stephon Gilmore, his Cowboys debut. Just a big game in, in general for the Cowboys. I think for for the Giants, I'm not going to really talk about them too much because they just had one of the worst games that I have seen in, in a long time. So I'm not really even going to talk about them. But the Cowboys, Super Bowl contenders? I don't know. But uh, the Giants, they look like shit is what, is what I'll say. Yeah, um, they did. They did. You're right. Um, and there's a reason why I picked the Giants to go six and eleven. So I'm not going to be changing my pick here or, or changing anything that I think about both these teams. Dallas is great. I had Dallas beating San Francisco in the playoffs when we talked about it last week. So I'm I'm right on the money. I'm not changing. Uh, just hopefully Dallas stays healthy and uh, they should be much better off than they have been in past seasons. Yeah. Moving on to the last game. Uh, week one, Monday Night Football in New York again. Hmm. The Jets get the W in OT, 22-16. to 16. If I just said that, would have sounded like a great night for New York. Uh, but obviously it wasn't, uh, as every NFL fan knows. Buffalo side of the ball first, we'll look at that. Josh Allen did not have a good game. 29 for 41, 236 yards. Only 12 incompletions, but three of those incompletions turned into picks, and all of them went to Jordan Whitehead. Uh, his one touchdown did go to Stephon Diggs, though, who had a big game uh, for 10 catches, 102 yards, and, of course, that touchdown. Uh, backfield is interesting for Buffalo. James Cook is kind of seems to be more of the guy there now than what he was last year. Damian Harris and Latavius Murray also got carries for them in their Buffalo debuts. Uh, Buffalo's defense was a decent group. I don't really think we saw anything too crazy uh, especially having to go up against Zach Wilson or getting to go up against Zach Wilson might be the way to phrase it, but nothing too crazy there. Matt Milano did get a pick. We know he's a stud, though. Uh, New York side, Aaron Rodgers. Threw one pass, got sacked, and might be done playing football for the rest of his life at this point. We don't really know. Achilles injury at 40 is not going to be something that's easy to overcome. So we'll see how that goes for him. Obviously, probably up this season at this point, unless some miraculous thing where Zach Wilson leads his team to the Super Bowl, maybe A-Rod is able to come back and play. But 
if you're going to Super Bowl, Zach Wilson's going to have to be good. And at that point, I'd probably just want Zach Wilson to continue to play quarterback. So probably the last we've seen of A-Rod as a Jet this season. We'll see how it goes next year and future seasons after that, if he's going to keep on playing and whatnot. Uh, but Zach Wilson against a, a pretty good Bills defense, had an okay game, kind of being thrown into the fire out of nowhere, of course. Uh, 14 for 21, 140 yards, touchdown and a pick. Uh, Breeze Hall. Big game on the ground, uh, 10 carries for 127 yards. Got most of that in the first two carries that he had because he had an 83-yard run in the first or second quarter. Uh, but big game for Breeze in his return. Dalvin Cook, first game as a Jet, nothing too crazy, 33 yards on the ground and 13 carries. Receiving core, spread it around. Did Zach Wilson, Alan Lazard, Garrett Wilson, Dalvin Cook. Uh, Michael Carter all had multiple catches uh, with Garrett Wilson having a pretty crazy touchdown catch as well too. So that was pretty, pretty nuts. Defense for New York obviously was the big thing here. Five sacks on, on defense. Quentin Jefferson had two sacks, uh, which is Quincy, right? I don't know why it's just Quentin Jefferson. I was like, what? That's, That's another guy. Oh, he's a backup and tackle. Yeah. There's so many guys. They rotate dudes every single play. There were like 12 different D linemen that played last night. I did see Jermaine Johnson's sack. He, he yeah. had a big game there. Uh, Al Woods had a sack, and then looks mm-hmm. like another one. John JFM had a sack as well. Too. JFM had eight uh, pressures, led yeah. the week. Sorry, big continue. game. Sorry. Big game for him. Uh, Jordan Whitehead though hit his incentive in week one, which is I've been NFL record for the earliest it's ever been hit because he had a three interception incentive and he got it all in one game. So career night for Jordan Whitehead. I'm sure he was able to celebrate, uh, as well as Xavier Gibson uh, was able to celebrate his 65-yard punt return, won the game for the Jets in OT. All-time moment there, just kind of that moment for him. Honestly, it was a weird night feeling in general for Jets fans uh, with what was going on and the hype going into the season. And I hate to pose this question, Skyler. Mm-hmm. I'm Jets done. And like one, I know it's a big one against a good team. Both no A Rod. How far can this team go with Zach Wilson? This was one of, I'll say, the most highly anticipated Jet season ever in NFL history, and we lost it in four snaps. So, uh, so this is going to be unlike anything we've ever seen before because it is a top roster in the NFL that proved that last night that even though Zach Wilson didn't have to do much, he made three big throws in the fourth quarter and they got the win. And that's all that mattered last night. We can work on the rest in the future. So I'm not going to overreact, I guess, like I do with some other teams with my team. I'm going to try to give them a chance because like DJ Reed said in the interview before the season started, they want to be like the 85 bears. If they really are, then, you know, They'll make a push for the playoffs. I'm not saying they're going to the Super Bowl. Those dreams were absolutely crushed when Rodgers uh, was carted away. But but it was a great game. I'm glad they finished because, um, you know, uh, my entire life, this is not a game that the Jets win. This is a game mm-hmm. where as soon as the guy comes out of the game, they lose 58-3. to three. And uh, and they're, they proved they're mentally tough, so I'm not going to give up on them yet because they didn't give up on us, Monday Night Football. Yeah. So a good game for the Jets defense and special teams. Offense was okay, but uh, yeah, yeah. I game. again, 
kind of going to reiterate what Skyler said. The Super Bowl chances are done. I, I didn't think this team was going to win the Super Bowl, but they definitely had a chance, and that's that's something you yeah. cannot deny. Playoffs, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, we'll see. I haven't directly looked at this team's schedule and how they are going to compete. It's very with difficult. Wilson, but it's going to be tough, of course, with, with the you know not having the guy that can throw the ball the way that A-Rod does. Like he does have weapons, and he's gonna still have a rod in his ear. I assume, and I assume he has had a rod in his ear this entire offseason as well, too. So, uh, hopefully, Zach Wilson, you know, progressed from what we saw him uh, in these past few years with, with what he's done. But obviously, it's not going to be the same for the Jets. It's pretty simple there. Yeah. <sighs> so that's the week one recap. We'll go ahead and get into our top three waiver claims, Skyler. I'll let you go first with all three years, and then I'll hop into okay. my three. Uh, I tried not to do too much after week one because, you know, we don't take too much into week one. That's just how it goes. So we got Kendrick Bourne starting it off, looking like the number one in New England. Uh, their schedule gets a lot easier, and he had two touchdowns in the opener. I think that's uh, that justifies a, a backup flex spot pickup. Um, you want me to go to my next guy? or You, you can go all yours. All right, the next guy, you talked about him earlier, Rashid Shahid of the Saints. He's their number one deep threat. The next man up if Michael Thomas goes down again, which uh, seems to happen every single year. And the last guy's going to be the tight end Hayden Hurst from Carolina. The safety valve for Bryce Young. He could have all of their touchdowns this season, so uh, why not give it a shot? My tight end's already hurt. Uh, For my three, I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction. Uh, Puka Nakoa is the first guy, of course. Uh, just the amount of targets that he had, especially for people who are kind of slim on wide receivers, he should definitely be a good option as, as long as Cooper Cup is out. I don't know how long Cup is out. He's obviously going to be out these first few games of being placed on you know, the short-term IR. But in those few games, this guy should have a, a ton of targets. And I know he's got you know, a rough matchup this week with the Niners, but Matthew Stafford's a, a guy who – should have a decent game against that Niners defense. Uh, next up, Kenneth Gainwell being the main guy in Absolutely. one of the highest rushing offenses is a big thing. I do think that, you know, this is not going to be, well, week one is not going to be a microcosm of the season for how the running back carry is going to split. I think we're going to see Swift more some games. We're going to see somebody else probably more some games, Boston Scott or something like that coming out of nowhere. Uh, and Kenneth Gainwell is probably going to have a few games where he has 25 carries and, you know, 120 yards or something like that. But it's not going to be every single week. But while he is the guy, say hop on him and ride him these next few weeks because he should be the dude who is looked at as the number one guy in the running back position in their offense, especially having been there a while and not knowing everything. Uh, Kyron Williams is the next guy I'm going to talk about. Mm-hmm. I think this matchup is going to be rough for him this week going against that Niners defense and how good they are in the run. Uh, but after that, it should be a pretty good matchup. I think with what we saw from Cam Akers and what we saw from uh, Kyron Williams, it should be his backfield. Uh, a younger back as well, too, more explosive. Uh, I was big on Kyron Williams kind of trying to get a fantasy spot last year. I, and I think this year will be definitely the point where he comes into a, you know, a higher roster. Because they're not number. terrible right now. <laughs> yeah. So they should be just fine. Kyron, I think, should be a good one. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll add one more since, you know, maybe one of these guys is already taken in the league. Uh, who knows? Kendrick Bourne, the other guy that you talked about. Uh, 
couple of touchdowns. Looks like the main guy in New England. Who knows if Mac is going to throw the ball 54 times every single game. But, I mean, if he does, looks like it's going to work out well for Only for minute when it matters, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah only when it matters. Uh, but that's going to do it for our NFL talk. Uh, Skyler, if you want to hop into halftime, we can do that. And then we can go into the, uh, the MLB talk. Absolutely. All right. Uh, just a little bit of Heisman watch to start it off halftime here. After that, we'll talk about some of the week three games. So we got a top five here. Um, we'll just start off from the bottom. Travis Hunter, Colorado at the five spot. Two-way star. Um, week one was amazing. 100 receiving yards, touchdown, pick. Uh, but he's likely going to have to wait until next season to get the major awards just because it's it's such a quarterback-friendly award right now. So we'll jump up to number four, Jordan Travis, Florida State. Uh, didn't have to do much in the win against Southern Miss last week, but in week one, five touchdowns against LSU and the massacre of the number four team in the nation. Um, number three, Quinn Ewers, Texas, beat Alabama, 24 for 38 passing, 350 yards, three touchdowns, got the job done. Number two, Caleb Williams, 19 for 21, 281 yards, four touchdowns against Stanford. Uh, great, but... My top guy is going to be Michael Penix Jr. from Washington. Another week with over 400 yards and three touchdowns in the win against Tulsa. I think all these guys uh, are very close. It could go to anyone. I'm just leaning towards the the pack guys, in my opinion. But so far, it's been a great college football season. So I'll get into a little preview of some of the games coming up. Maybe you don't know. You've been busy. You want to know what's coming next weekend. So we got South Carolina at number one, Georgia. Spencer Rattler, the quarterback for the Gamecocks uh, against Georgia. And Carson Beck has started off pretty well for Georgia. The post-Stetson Bennett era um, starting off 2-0. So good for them. Uh, another one, West Coast game, San Diego State at number 16, Oregon State. You know, San Diego always plays the pack teams tough. So I'll keep an eye on that one. We got number seven, Penn State, with all their freshmen and sophomores going at Illinois, who has been struggling. So another one I'll keep an eye on for sure, just in case. Battle of the Undefeateds. Missouri is hosting number 15, Kansas State, who I think is a little overrated. So uh, maybe we'll see a little upset there. Um, You always want to watch Drake May. At 1230, Drake May is hosting Minnesota. And then at night, Number eight, Washington, traveling to Michigan State. Both undefeated. Um, uh, another opportunity for Michael Panix to just grow his his Heisman odd lead for all the mm-hmm. quarterbacks. And uh, that's that's pretty much it for me. Uh, everyone's got their favorite teams, but unfortunately I won't be watching Oregon, Hawaii. Sorry, Brett. Um, yeah, that's going to be halftime. Yeah. So I'll pick it back up from here, uh, getting back to where's your head at and the MLB playoff picture check-in. We're not going to dive in and do all these crazy predictions, but we're just going to look at some of the stuff that we got going on right now in each division and the wild card spots uh, for some potential stuff there. Uh, AL East, at this point, Baltimore, best team in the American League, 91-52. and 52. What a season for them so far. Three games up on the 89-56 and 56 Tampa Bay Rays, who we thought were kind of out of this division. Once we saw the Wanda Franco news and Shane McClanahan stuff over this past month or so, they're right back in it. Uh, three games is pretty tough to make up at this point, especially against a team like Baltimore, who doesn't you know lose games consistently. Uh, but Baltimore should be fine in, in that aspect, and I think Skyler probably agrees with me with that. Yeah, 100%. 
I was surprised uh, to see uh, how, how close they had gotten back into the race. Yeah. Uh, Yankees, though, eliminated in the division. So shout out to that because fuck them. Uh, Central, Twins got it at this point. Mm. Magic number is 11. Cleveland and Detroit have practically the same record at this point. Uh, same, similar in the last column, two more wins in Cleveland. So I guess not the same, but same elimination number at this point uh, for both teams. The AOS is interesting right now. Houston is 82 and 63, holding a two game lead in the division. Texas, two games behind them. And then Seattle, two and a half behind Houston. So a half game behind Texas. Seattle's lost four in a row. I have to go on this crazy streak this past month. So maybe they're slumping in September, something that they have done in the past. That's for sure. Uh, obviously the angels and the A's are out of it, but the AOS, I know you haven't watched a ton of baseball together with football coming on, but is there anything that you want to talk about this? Cause it, it, it's a pretty interesting group. I think Houston probably will prevail, uh, but Texas and Seattle, it's going to be an interesting spot there. Yeah, I've been pretty high on Houston. I'm going to stake with them. And uh, I think it's not a real MLB playoff run unless the Mariners have a massive collapse. So this fits right into the script. I'm okay with it. And I don't think they're going to make it. Yeah. Uh, wild card. Uh, so Baltimore, Houston, Minnesota, currently in divisions. Tampa's way up in the wild card, nine games up on any of the teams. So they should be in the playoffs for sure. Uh, and then Toronto has a second spot right now at 80 and 64. They're one up in the win column from Texas, who's 79 and 64. And then, of course, Seattle, a half game out. Toronto is one team that we haven't talked about so far. I think mm-hmm. they, man, this team is so interesting where they have the ability, if they can stay consistent over the entire year, they should win 100 games with their roster. Somehow they don't, and somehow they always choke. But it's so tough to pick, pick your two out of those three, but uh, as history, yeah. it likes to re- repeat itself. I'm going with Seattle being out of the playoffs. Uh, and then after that, Boston, New York, uh, they're out of it. I saw something saying that this is like a huge uh, rivalry series with the, the Yankees and, and the Red Sox playing. Uh, I think a four game set over this week. It does not matter at all. Both of these teams aren't making the playoffs. They need to go on some crazy stretch where they win out pretty much in order to get in. And we're not going to see that from any of those teams. Uh, past that, you know, Cleveland, Angels, Detroit, they're all out at this point. So we won't talk with them. The NL division race is not that interesting, but I guess it, it's notable for sure. Uh, Atlanta has clinched the playoffs, spot the first team to do that. They're 90 and 54 and four is their magic number of getting that that A or NL East divisional title. In the Central, a bit closer, of course, uh, but Milwaukee's been having a pretty solid second half. They're 80 and 63, three games up on the Cubs and seven games up on Cincinnati. So the division should be theirs unless we see, mm-hmm. you know, a, a crazy run by Chicago over these last two, three weeks of the season. Uh, and then the NL West, Dodgers are running away with it. Seven games is, or seven is their magic number to win it uh, with – Arizona being 12 out in the division. Uh, the NL wildcard is probably the most interesting thing to talk about now at this point. Philly is up three and a half in there. I think we should completely be seeing them in the playoffs. I'm not worried about them at all. They should be in that top spot. Chicago currently holds a two spot by two games, which is a big thing right now because right below them, there's four teams that are all kind of grasping for that last spot. Arizona currently holds it. 
They're 70, 76 and 69, one and a half games up on Miami, who's 70 and 74 and 70. Giants are also 74 and 70. Cincinnati, 74 and 71. So three teams within two games for that last spot. I like Arizona. I don't like the Giants in this situation. I don't like Cincinnati with kind of the injuries that they've been going through over these past two weeks. And Miami, man, their offense just doesn't do enough for me. Uh, I would love to see Arizona make the playoffs here. I don't love Arizona. You know that about me. We've talked about it so many times this season. But, mm. I mean, I, it's not like I trust the other teams anymore. The schedule's brutal, but everyone's playing their division. So, hey, man, if Arizona really is the hottest team down there, offensively, we'll say, then, sure. Why not? Yeah, go ahead and get it done, eh? <laughs> Moving into our... Layups and bowl prediction. It was a great week for us on the betting half last week. Uh, my layup was the Raiders plus three and a half in Denver. Of course, that covered because they won. It's been 1,300 days since the Broncos have been the Raiders. It wasn't going to happen on Sunday. Uh, Skyler had number 13 Oregon, minus six and a half at Texas Tech. They got a big time, uh, but got it enough for Skyler. <laughs> this week covers his bet there. This week, I have New Orleans minus three. Versus Carolina on Monday Night Football. I think Bryce Young's going to have a terrible game against that defense for the Saints. It is a very, you know, electric and together group at this point early in the season. Yeah, I'm going to go with Cincinnati to cover three and a half points at home against Baltimore. It wasn't pretty last week, but um, I, I don't like what, what Baltimore's doing. They couldn't get out of there without a major injury. They can't run the ball. Lamar doesn't look great. So uh, I'm going to take Cincinnati's points. Last week in the bowl prediction factor, two for two for us, which was amazing. Uh, I had Cleveland over Cincinnati. That happened big time. I didn't think it'd be this drastic, but I thought, that, you know, the conditions. Uh, with new and Rain was on the potential horizon and just kind of how Cincinnati usually tends to open up. This game was going to play right, in, or right into Cleveland's hands, and it did. So Rain for me. And then Skyler had Washington State over number 19, Wisconsin, on yeah. Saturday. That did happen. Another Pac-12 W. Maybe been on the Pac-12 is a good thing to do at this point. I know we didn't do any college football this week, but uh, maybe something to, to pick up on uh, here yeah. in these next few weeks. Uh, this week, though, bull prediction, I have Tennessee over the Chargers. I believe the Chargers are a three-point favorite at this point. I think this is going to be you know, a game that Derrick Henry will, it will be able to run the ball. We're going to see probably – you know, DeAndre Hopkins get his 15 targets again, and I think Tannehill should be fine. You know, he looked terrible against the Saints. Now going up against that rough, uh, pretty light group in, in not San Diego, in L.A. All right. Well, I'm going to go with another NFL game here. Atlanta over Green Bay in Atlanta. It's a two-point favorite here for Green Bay. So I pretty much think that Atlanta is going to get away with hiding Desmond Ritter for one more week. And then when they play in Detroit, they're going to get slammed in week three. But one more week of uh, a really close game against Jordan Love here for Atlanta, running the ball. All right. That's going to do it, though, for episode 157. This one felt quite different uh, for me, for yeah. sure, because I'm in a new place. But a good episode, for sure. Uh, a lot of stuff that we talked about next week, of course, will kind of be more of the same stuff as far as week two recap, maybe some more waiver claim guys. 
definitely going to be some more teams clinching, and then will be playoffs. Probably Atlanta and the Dodgers will both clinch their divisions. Uh, maybe we see a team in the AL West kind of you know get take control or kind of hop out of it. But uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Maybe we'll yeah. see a new quarterback in MetLife. Yeah, maybe Carson Wentz or G three. Did you see that shit? It's like, you know, yeah. if they called me, I, nobody's calling you, man. Nobody's calling you. All right. No, uh, we love RG3, though. He's just, it's been, what, seven, eight years since he's played major injuries. Uh, I think he was just trying to relate. But anyways, I don't want to talk about my quarterback's, uh, you know, season-ending injury anymore. So let's get out of here. Good episode, Kyle. We'll be back we'll next week. Actually, the Raiders. <laughs>